Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Win number 19 to the 48-year-old from Canberra. And when I say it's a popular win, he hasn't even signed his scorecard yet. So Brandon Jones, a great supporter of this event over the years, the winner of the 2023 New Zealand Open. Magnificent performance yesterday. It was a total rocks, Brendan Jones. It looked like a man, looked like a human being who'd won his first tournament, not his 19th. It, it had been a bit of a drought for him. He went through a terrible, mm. terrible time in his career in the middle of last year with his string of missed cuts. He's going to join us on the show tomorrow. Great, when, great to see him win the way he did yesterday. He's been one of Australia's quietest achievers, this bloke. Mm. Has made mazillions of dollars in, in Japan over the years. Right. And has just been writing checks and banking checks up in that part of the world for years. Uh, he could walk through uh, most pubs in Australia and blokes wouldn't know who he is. But that was a huge win in the New Zealand Open yesterday. Thanks to Golf 24. Practice play, compete 24-7 indoors. Golf 24. Indoor golf centres open 24-7. Keith, practice. Wow. You need to practice. Play, compete on the world's best courses. I'm sorry, se- sorry, Sevy. No, I'm sensing that. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about you. We're nah. down. At King, we're down at King Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played at Ocean Dunes today. Mm-hmm. We're two and a half, one and a half down in the Pure Links Cup. It's Team SEN against Team King Island. Mm-hmm. And just with the help of your teammates, I'm feeling that you're you are you're redoubling your commitment to mm-hmm. the challenge. Well, it's true because you gave in today. No, me- I did not. Meekly. You that, gave. You capitulated. Is, just because and you, you gave in completely. I tried my hardest, but no, here's didn't. the thing that you, I get a kick out of because uh, this morning we had the tournament in the states, and Rory McIlroy, who is a super duper star, absolutely like, like, incredible, well, one of the greats, and just seeing him trying to hit out of the rough, just when you think, well, we have nothing in common. After I just saw the shot that he played on the replay, uh, I. It can happen to the best of them. This game can really uh, cause levels of frustration like no other. Because when you think you've got it, it will can bite you badly. It can take it away from it you. It can take it, snatch well, I don't it know away. Whether, I don't know whether Trent Copeland's going to commit himself to getting his golf handicap down or playing more golf. I, I don't know what uh, life looks like him now that he's given it away at first class level. I do know this, Keith, and he's, Trent's about to join us on the mm. day he announced his retirement. This bloke loves cricket mm. as much as anybody I've had the good fortune. Well, there's some real cricket nuffies that are part of this Channel 7 commentary team yep. that I'm a tiny, 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 or infinitesimal part of. Mm. And they are complete cricket nerds. They live the game. They love the game. Yes. They breathe the game. Mm-hmm. Trent Copeland retired after 13 or 14 years of first-class cricket for New South Wales. Over 410 wickets he took through 112 first-class games. Copes, I know how much this game means to you. I know how much you love playing it at the elite level. And, of course, you played you know, three tests for Australia. I can only imagine how um, heavy it felt to you when the, the, the moment arrived when you thought, yep, today's the day and now's the moment I'm going to give this away. Yeah, well, firstly, thanks for having me, boys. And, I, I mean, speaking of writing checks and cashing checks, I mean, I've 
been on SEN broadcast for plenty of years now and no invites down to King Island, so thanks for that. That's disappointing. Um, Next year you'll be down here, mate. We can, uh, there's one there's one six foot seven bloke I need to get rid of, and we're happy to replace him with a six foot five bloke. So uh, I certainly don't have the welcome. jump shot that one of those has. Uh, but uh, look, uh, what I will say is you're absolutely right. This is a country boy who grew up loving cricket, still love cricket, and you know, one of those things that I am, you know, I feel a bit weird about the situation when I retired. Uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's not like I'm already filled with pride and joy. Uh, or I already know where I stand and, and what I, you know, accomplished. But one thing I do know is that I was never anywhere near the most talented. Um, but I gave it absolutely bloody everything every time I stood on the field. Uh, and particularly when I had the ball in my hand. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm really happy to have been able to, play one game for New South Wales uh, and Australia, let alone for, you know, 13, 14 years um, at Trent. that level. So I'm, I'm stoked. No, you should be. No, mate. absolutely. And congratulations. Uh, fantastic career. And what is it that brings you to this decision? Because I read you through uh, some of your accomplishments. There's also a bit of hardship there with the back problems and some injuries along the way. Did, did, is it ultimately your body letting you down while you, you decide to hang them up? No, to be honest, I mean, yes, the injuries are part and parcel of professional sport. But to be honest, um, my, I've had one serious back injury, and it was quite some time ago now. I was bowling my 30th over uh, the other day in the first innings against the Vicks. And, yep. Murray, we won't talk about the result, so let's keep that <laughs> yeah, under wraps. We, um, we can if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my body, I turned to mid-on and mid-off, Moses Enriquez, Liam Hatcher, and said, you know what, ironically, having already announced to the boys that I was going to be in my last game, my body feels as good as it's ever felt, you know, and particularly <laughs> in the last three or four years. So, and, and, you know, the other thing was I wanted to make sure that when I finished playing that... Um, you know, I was still contributing to wins um, and contributing to our culture uh, and not taking spots or anything away from the group um, and leaving them in a good situation when I, you know, when I leave. Um, so I, I think I can rest assured that those sort of things have been ticked off. Spot on. And Andy, the way he speaks to you, uh, you heard a bit of it on air and he was even more effusious in his praise off air. But uh, <laughs> about your enthusiasm for the game, the passion of it, you, you want to deal with the minutiae, the strategy, all that type of stuff. Uh, does that mean, do you see yourself with, in a coaching role at all? Because a lot of coaching opportunities out there, more so now than they've, than they've ever been. Yeah, look, I, I, I must say, I, I couldn't agree more with the sentiment that, you know, Andy mentioned when he was introducing me. That I, I love the game, and it's probably because of the type of player that I was. I had to be a guy that was in tune with tactics and, you know, the ebbs and flows of the game and understanding the nuance, nuances of it because I wasn't able to just rock up and do what I did well, and that was enough. Um, so, I, yes, the answer is I'm interested in it. It's a fickle landscape, though, coaching. Um, yep. And I'm bloody passionate about American sports, uh, NBA, NFL, um, you know, numerous others. So it's not necessarily cricket that I see myself in. And I, you know, my, my goals, certainly in business and in life, are you know, CEOs, GMs of high-performance industries. And um, you know, whether coaching is a part of that, you know, it, it could well be. But, yeah, I'm passionate about sport, generally speaking, put it that way. Talking to Trent Copeland, who's retired from first-class cricket 
uh, over the, the weekend has come to that conclusion. Copes, you talked about talked about the number of games you played at first class level, the number of balls you bowled, not only in matches but at training. And Gazy asked you about the injuries that you had to push through and their part and parcel nature of them and what you've done, you know, for a profession as a fast bowler over all these years. Where do you sit on the high performance management of young mm. quicks coming through the game and the, and the careful, cautious uh, approach that seems to be being taken? against the the old school view that you harden the body by doing it. You get the body ready for the rigours by doing it. Where, where do you sit in that kind of debate? Oh, it's, this is a really tricky one to answer. I, I, I'm a guy that I have my own beliefs and, and I'm certainly in line with the old school methodology in my own head. And it's been beneficial to me to have, first and foremost, learnt how to get wickets when things aren't always in your favour and when your body is a bit sore. Um, And I think there's a lot to that because um, first-class cricket, and in particular test cricket, 90% of the time you're not feeling amazing. You're bowling into the wind, your body's sore, the opposition are batting on a really good wicket, set partnerships, those sort of things, where if you're limiting people to eight to ten overs a training session, and particularly in pathways cricket, only playing white ball cricket, um, that to me is a bit of a problem. Um, you know, yes, we are trying to look after the physical nature of it's tough to be a fast bowler, but I think there's much, much more that is to be gained by learning resilience, learning how to be effective when you're not feeling good. Um, and to me, the mark of an elite player, it's not always how good your best is, but on your worst day, how close are you to your best? That's to me the mark of a champion, the mark of a really good player. Um, at the elite level. I don't know if that, uh, you know, I look at that in, a, in an NBA sense, Gazy, and, and look at exactly yep. the same. The guys who are having off shooting night find ways mm-hmm. to bring teammates with them, um, you know, get people engaged and win games when it comes to the crunch. A hundred percent. And you say the same on. The go- on the golf course when some, one of your players is doing it tough. You'd like to see people <laughs> get around you, but that's not always the case, oh, is unfortunately. That right? is, that, oh, is that right? It is. Is that, oh, how many let times have I helped into, you today? Let me, get through the ball. Yeah, get, okay, yeah. let, me tap, oh, okay. let me tap oh, into this uh, cricket mind of oh. yours and, and get your thoughts on, on, on what we saw over the weekend with the Australian team when it seemingly backs against the wall. Right, Two games where things haven't gone uh, our way and we've got this very unusual pitch situation. Uh, what did you make of what Australia was able to do in that third test? Well, firstly, it was huge. I mean, not only that performance in itself, but I'm sure you guys are well aware and having lots of callers and fans of cricket in general, um, you know, experts, ex-players, these sorts of things, being uproar about the disappointing nature of the first two tests and particularly the manner in which they've lost those games really yeah. inside an hour in both matches. You know, India have had mm. some bad patches, but in an hour, we were able to lose an entire test match with batting collapses. Yep. So yep. to me, that was, you know, in itself, losing the toss firstly and being able to win over there. I feel like I'm making this start up, but it feels like 95% of teams that go over there, it doesn't matter if it's legendary or not, you really rarely win and rarely win that comprehensively in India. So a massive achievement. And I think... Personally, you're talking my cricket brain. I love the team balance that Australia committed to and it rubs some people the wrong way. And when David Warner went down, to me, the sign of a good coach and a good, well, I guess, selection group is 
not necessarily going with the tried and tested, but in this moment, putting Travis Head up to the top of the order and saying, look, if he backs for 40 balls, he's going to score 50 runs. I don't care whether you look horrific. Scoring 50 mm. runs in India is incredibly valuable. So going that positive mindset and attacking the game to India, I think has had its real advantages. So, look, I'm excited about this fourth test coming up and I hope the boys can come away with a two-all result. That'll be huge. Copes, it's dangerous to um, make you know, knee-jerk reactions off one test, but did you see enough... Uh, in Travis Head and Uzi Kawaja, if you were in charge of the lineup, would, would would you be sticking with that, irrespective of who else was available for selection? See, this is the other thing that uh, I'm. I wind back in my mind to Aaron Finch when he opened in Test cricket in the subcontinent, and and the rationale was really, really similar to the Travis Head decision. It was to get up the top try and hurt the opposition and largely it is the best time to bat when the quicks are bowling um, and try and get the tempo going. Then when we came back and we played against India in Australia, Finchie was just asked to be a test opener in Australian conditions. You know, we're about to go potentially to a World Test Championship final and an Ashes away in England. It couldn't be more foreign to the conditions that we're in right now. So whilst I have seen enough, I hope that the nous is there to understand that Travis Head has been our best-performed batter. Like, in the last two home summers, he's been the player of the series. It was amazing to me that he got left out of the first test. That's another story. But I really hope (laughs) that he gets put back to the spot that has had him flourish. And whenever Steve Smith decides to retire, move Travis up to number four. And whenever he's the most senior figure outside of everyone else, he can go up to number three. But I think it's a horses-for-courses strategy that's really worked. I hope it doesn't get them caught up in the mindset that Trav then has to open in the future. Okay, so look into your crystal ball, the Test Championship final and the first Test of the Ashes. Who's opening the batting for Australia? Oh, big call. I don't know. At this stage, my gut feel is that it'll still be David Warner, provided that he's healthy. Um, But look, the, the struggles, I guess, outside the double hundred in recent times, a lot of people are talking about that. But I mean, Uzi Kawaja is the example of, you know, the age doesn't really matter. It's, it's just a number. And who do I want out there fighting for me in the battle? Uh, at the moment, it's David Warner. But there's lots of guys outside of that um, who are putting their hand up. Guys like Cameron Bancroft, Daniel Hughes and numerous others. What about this situation where the, the captain of the team, unfortunately, and our wishes and prayers go out to him and his family for the challenges, he's, he's not there. So Steve Smith comes in and, and they win. And there's the, you have this knee-jerk reaction by some that would point the finger and say, well, this should be the case anyway. Here is an example of it. Do you, which I don't agree with, by the way, not but I don't know. Not I do not agree with it. But I want to get your view in regards to the captaincy and uh, what took place as any sort of indication of what potentially should happen, could happen, or should not happen? Uh, I'm going to call it a complete non-story. With, within yep. the four walls of the Australian cricket dressing room, there is no discussion to be had. It, it's Pat's team. Steve is a fantastic leader and, in my opinion, a real tactician. There's numerous others within that dressing room that are exactly the same. And whether he has a C next to his name or not, he is there in Pat's ear, given 
uh, you know, all of the advice, all of the tactical ploys behind the scenes, along with Ronnie McDonald, um, you know, numerous others. Yes, Pat is the leader, but there is seven or eight guys within that change room who are part of the decision-making process in a cricket team. So it's a non-story. You know, Pat hasn't yeah. come home. Steve is a, and has been a, an amazing test captain. Um, very good at the understanding of being proactive as a captain, moving fielders before things happen, things like that. But make, make no mistake, when Pat's captain, those conversations and those decisions are still happening. It's just mm. Pat that's activating Steve's thoughts a lot of the time. Yeah, well, mate, there's a million things we could talk to you about. We've got to get going. But you know Definitely. the first-class landscape here in Australia, you know, as well as anybody you played with and against these players who haven't yet represented Australia at, at test level. Are you prepared to give us a name or two of, of one or two who you think have got the capacity to represent with the baggy green on their head that maybe we haven't seen yet? Yeah, well, baggy green or, or in the white ball formats, I think... Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to probably stroke the ego here a little bit, Mari, and say <laughs> Matty Short for the Victorians yep. that are listening and yourself. I think uh, he's big bash and certainly his recent form for Victoria. I played against him this week. He's a guy that plays the Travis Head style. Uh, even in red ball cricket, he takes the game on. He makes you feel like you're still in with a chance, but he can take the game away from you. And he's also got that really handy off spin that he brings to the table uh, I think it'll be in white ball formats to start with, but he's one guy that I think is well and truly on his way. Right, up, that'll do. Mate, um, on behalf of cricket fans all around Australia, yes. c- congratulations. You've been a credit to the game here in Australia. You got mm-hmm. to represent three times, and it wasn't as many as you should, but you played in an era when Australia's been pretty well stocked with quicks, and uh, you've held your own against you know, the very, very best in the country. You should be really proud of everything you've done, and... Of course, you're making your mark now with the Channel 7 Blazer on. And we look forward to many, many years of contributions in that sphere and a whole lot of other stuff, mate. Thanks for coming on and well played. Thanks, boys. Swing hard down there. Good on you. Good on you, mate. (laughs) Thanks, Trent. We need to tomorrow. That's what you've got to do. Just get through the ball, Keith. You're a bit bit decelerating on everything. Trent Copeland. Trying to get the face of the club. Don't worry about that. You're too technical. (laughs) Trent Copeland just went out there and and just just Mm. fought the good fight. Mm. You just need to do more of that tomorrow. Don't worry about the technicalities. I like it. Don't forget, Hawks fans, give us a call. You're starting to come around now. Give us a call after the break, Hawthorne fans. We've got a $100 Hawks Nest voucher to give away. But Love it. We need something. We need mm. something to challenge Hawthorne supporters with. Mm. Can't just get a you to A quiz type arrangement? Well, okay, you come up with... You come oh, up with give, a, no, get, no, we'll get A-Rod to do no, it. No, no, you come up with a four-question oh, four Hawthorne quiz. No, we'll do it together. I'm in a pub. Whoever answers, we're going to have four questions. All right. Whoever answers, well, you're going to be a Hawthorne supporter. Right. Whoever answers, because you, you don't want to gear otherwise. No. Who answers question number four correctly, mm-hmm. you're going to pick up the $100. Oh, no, okay. we're doing a quiz, Julio. Oh, no. We're doing the $100 oh, Hawks put his foot down. to give there away. There will not be a quiz. <laughs> he said no quiz. <laughs> it's going to be a no quick quiz. quiz. We're going to do it on the other side of the oh, race. Every Hawthorne supporter. Get on the line now. Oh, no. He's, he's <laughs> gone abusive. one 736 736 Question number four. Oh, I don't I know why we're doing question number just, four in, in, out of respect to Bob Kenny. Right, there you go. I want to say to Julio, I had nothing to do with this uh, that quiz. And, that and more pox rocks. And it's, I've got a lot of pox and rocks. It's so mate. It's us and Julio with Tioli. And oh, let's get stuck into some pox and rocks. We've got to do the quiz, the Hawthorne quiz. To give okay, but then after that. Sure, we're going to do that. It's 23 past oh, four. Wait.